Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks of Say One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God in human life than to bypass by ignorance or rejection His salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. The title of today's message is The Judgments of God, Part 1, The Judgment Seat of Christ. Many people may be more familiar with this judgment seat according to its Greek name, the Bema. The concept comes from three passages in the New Testament that describe an official place from where a person renders a judgment or passes sentence about what is to be done with another person. The first one at Matthew chapter 27 verse 19 had to do with Pontius Pilate as he sat in judgment over Jesus. The next two passages, both from the 18th chapter of Acts, described how an accusation against the Apostle Paul before the local deputy was refused adjudication and the main accuser was beaten before the judgment seat. According to Thayer's Greek-English lexicon, the word bema, as it is used in these passages, is a raised area, sometimes with steps leading up to it on which a judge is seated. The judgment seat of Christ comes from two other New Testament passages, both of which warn believers about how to live. This includes how we think about others. Romans 14 verses 10 through 12 says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why also do you despise your brother? For all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, that every knee will bow to me, and every tongue confess to God. So then, each one of us will give account concerning himself to God. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Now, this judgment seat is not the place where our salvation is determined. That is settled when someone recognizes the reality of what Jesus has done for them. This is what people call believing in Christ or accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. But that is not the end. Believers must maintain their belief in and dedication to Jesus as he explained at John chapter 15 verses 4 through 10. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. The writer of the book of Hebrews echoes this warning at chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. 
Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Even those who preach the gospel or good news of deliverance from sin and the wrath of God are not exempt from this requirement to continue with the Lord according to 1 Timothy 4 verse 16. Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you shall both save yourself and them that hear you. All of us as followers of Jesus the Messiah must constantly resist evil as 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 and 9 bear out. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Don Stewart of Blue Letter Bible makes an interesting commentary on the Bema Seed. The Bema is a tribunal for rewards. In the large Olympic arenas, there was an elevated seat on which the judge of the contest sat. After the contests were over, the successful competitors would assemble before the Bema to receive their rewards or crowns. The Bema was not a judicial bench where someone was condemned. It was a reward seat. Likewise, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judicial bench. The Christian life is a race, and the divine umpire is Jesus Christ. After the race is over for each believer, he will gather every member before the Bema for the purpose of examining each one and giving the proper reward to each. Many concepts in the Bible can be explained through the examples of various human activities and customs. We are all familiar with the Olympic Games in which athletes train for years to compete in their respective sporting events. Some win their contests, most don't perform as they had hoped. Paul alludes to this striving at 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 through 27, where he observes, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we and imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. He makes the concept personal at Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 through 15. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. In the case of those who compete for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, Jesus the Judge is available to help us as we follow him according to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, about these rewards, are there any clues how we earn them? Yes, Jesus provided lots of clarity in this area. Let's start at his Sermon on the Mount with Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. 
Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus told everyone that only exceeding the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees would gain them entrance into heaven in Matthew 5, verse 20. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus goes on to reveal the secret meaning of perfection according to the kingdom of God at Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 through 48. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what more do you than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. He has yet more to say at Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4. Take heed that you give not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when you give your alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you give alms, let not your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your arms may be in secret, and your Father, which sees in secret, himself shall reward you openly. And Jesus has this for those who believe that the only things worth striving for are on earth, at Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. These rewards are described both in the Old and New Testaments with Isaiah 64, 4. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither has the eye seen, O God, beside you what he has prepared for him that waits for him and its echo at 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. And what might these rewards be? It appears they will be equitable for those who receive them, that is, they will be in proportion to what was done to earn them. 
For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6-15 through 15 explains how important it is to build the actions and motives of our lives on Jesus alone as we use the most desirable material. I planted, Apollos watered, but God kept everything growing. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is significant, but God who keeps everything growing is the one who matters. The one who plants and the one who waters have the same goal, and each will receive a reward for his own action. For we are God's co-workers, you are God's farmland and God's building. As an expert builder, using the grace that God gave me, I laid the foundation and someone else is building on it. But each person must be careful how he builds on it. After all, no one can lay any other foundation than the one that is already laid, and that is Jesus the Messiah. Whether a person builds on this foundation with gold, silver, expensive stones, wood, hay, or straw, the workmanship of each person will become evident, for the day of judgment will show what it is, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's action. If what a person has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If his work is burned up, he will suffer loss. However, he himself will be saved, but it will be like going through fire. One glimpse the Bible gives has to do with the crowns that will be earned. Some say there are five types of crowns, but let us see what is written. First, we have the incorruptible crown at 1 Corinthians 9 verses 24 through 27. Know you not that they which run a race run all, but one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. An incorruptible inheritance appears at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Second, we have the crown of rejoicing at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Adam Clark's commentary on verse 19 explains what is our hope. I can have no prospects from earth. I have forsaken all for the gospel and esteem everything it can afford as dross and dung, that I may gain Christ. Why then should I continually labor at the risk of my life preaching the gospel? Is it not to get your souls saved that you may be my crown of rejoicing in the day of Christ? For this I labor, and having planted the gospel among you, I wish to take every opportunity of watering it, that it may grow up into eternal life." Third is the crown of righteousness at 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought a good fight. 
I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The crown of life is forth, starting at James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Another commentary by Adam Clark on this verse reads, Every man is, in this life, in a state of temptation or trial, and in this state he is a candidate for another and a better world. He that stands in his trial shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. It is only love to God that can enable a man to endure the trials of life. Love feels no loads. All practicable things are possible to him who loves. There may be an allusion here to the contests in the Grecian games. He is crowned who conquers, and none else. The crown of life is also seen at Revelation 2, verses 8 through 10. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know your works in tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which you shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Fifth is the shepherd's crown of glory at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4. through 4. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. We found a sixth crown, which we call the crown of patience, at Revelation 3, verses 7 through 11. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he that is holy, he that is true. He that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts, and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. For you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which you have, that no man take your crown. There is one more reward that is perhaps the most important found in the Old Testament at Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. This was validated in the New Testament at Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. 
Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. You see, God Himself is the greatest reward. Does that not stir your heart to a greater commitment to be with Him His way? 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 4 through 6 promises that God's sure judgment will be righteous even if we go through distressing times. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. There is no need to fear because God himself will see to it that the rewards for our lives will be all they need to be, that is, if we live for him. Next week, we will discuss the white throne judgment. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for his calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that he really loves you and he has a purpose for your being here. You can hear this message again on our website at saveonemorenow.org. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life Life is good. good. God God gives life. God God is good. good.